0: everyone. My name is Ella. I'm going to be a fourth year undergraduate in the United States studying econ and finance. And I'm also here with Vishaka,
1: who is a public policy and economics graduate and lives in Berlin and always voicing minority voices.
0: Um, And we are here today with the Women in Economics Initiative to talk about imposter syndrome, which is the idea and Kind of the fear that you're going to be seen and noticed as a fraud. So let's start our so, discussion then. Yeah, let's get things started. So, imposter syndrome was first kind of term and recognized back in 1978 by Pauline Clance and Suzanne Imes, who were two students at two PhD students at Georgia State University. Um, their paper was originally titled. The imposter Phenomenon in High-Achieving Women, Dynamics and Therapeutic Intervention. Um, and this paper looked at 150 highly successful women in a variety of different fields and kind of their thoughts and experiences of this idea of feeling like a fraud and not quite feeling that confidence and that lack of self-esteem. And I think one thing from this paper that was really interesting was they recognized and noted that between men and women, when most women experience success, they tend to attribute that to temporary causes and external factors such as luck. Mm -hmm. Whereas men usually end up attributing their success to internal factors that are such as, like, their ability or their skills. Right. So, but then also on the flip side, Clance and Imes recognize that when women kind of figure out how to handle and attribute things to failure, they tend to attribute, um, believe their failure came out of those internal factors, like their skills or their abilities, whereas men are more commonly, more common to attribute that failure to look. So just an interesting thought on how there is a little bit of a difference between the way men and women can attribute the factors around them that can contribute to success. And how for women they the thought of we I don't know about you, Vishaka, but I know for me, like I will put a lot of this my success In terms of luck and like, oh, I was really happy to get this opportunity. Like, I'm very thankful that I was able to kind of get this experience and not like that necessarily my skills and abilities got me to that experience, but there was some luck or some outside factors that helped me get that experience.
1: I completely agree with you on that. In fact, whenever I have any failures, I always attribute it to my personal shortcomings rather than external factors. And I think that's a reality for a lot of people around us.
0: Yeah, I fully agree with you. Um, And I think that was one of the most interesting things from this original paper. But I know, Vishaka, you looked at some other information and other academic research over the years. Did you find anything interesting from that?
1: Well, a lot has happened in the four decades after the Klans and Ein's paper was released. Um, One of the biggest findings is that there's a lot of peer-reviewed studies that have been done and a lot of articles have been written by general non-academic people. And there's a difference, there's a difference between the terminologies used by both of these sets of people. Academics tend to use the term imposter phenomenon and the layman uh, and the lay authors tend to use the word imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And... Most of the studies that were conducted were conducted on women rather than men. But recent studies have shown that both men and women uh, go through the imposter syndrome on an equal level. So I guess the syndrome does not discriminate. (laughs)
0: Yeah, Yeah. and I guess that might be a difference from the original Clance and Imes paper where they recognize that difference of its external and internal factors. Um, And I think that's interesting because I want to note. Vishaka that um some really famous actors and actresses such as Emma Watson and also Tom Hanks have talked about how they have had these feelings of imposter syndrome and so I guess like for Tom Hanks he did an interview with NPR which is the uh, national public radio in America where he talked about his kind of feeling like he might be that kind of phony and he would have to fake it um when he would have to go on movie sets and especially when he was playing these strong male leads, mm-hmm. he talked about how he was like, okay, like tomorrow I'm going to have to kind of put forth this, he said, quote, degree of emotional goods. And if I'm not in a place to do that, then I'm going to have to fake it. Right. And I think the key words there is the fake it. Yes. <laughs> That's such a big one and a big catch <laughs> and notice for imposter syndrome
1: true in fact if, if we consider michelle obama she has spoken about her struggles with imposter syndrome as well like she being a high achieving lawyer and a one of the most popular uh, yes <laughs> one of the most popular it's no. <laughs> <to his dad. laughs>
0: and um yeah i guess i am actually not. it's i guess i think what we're trying to get at is imposter syndrome it happens to everyone. It's not something that just ha- and it happens to some people that we like, see as being some of the most successful people, I would argue, probably in the world. Right. And in a number of different fields and places, whether that is within like, entertainment or within academia. Um, and I think, yeah, do you have anything else, Pashaka?
1: The other findings were that imposter syndrome is also experienced more by ethnic minorities. And one of the most interesting things was that it does not decline with age. So if you think that you are... Yeah, like, so if you think that you are on the higher management now, or like maybe at the CEO level, there's a high chance that you can still feel imposter syndrome.
0: I think that's interesting, because I think I would have assumed that with more experience, and I guess more situations of success that someone is able to kind of go through and attain, um, the more confident they'll feel in their abilities and skills and maybe feel less and less like a fraud right which I would associate again with like getting older with that age but it sounds like some research has shown Tutti- that might not be the case
1: it was something different altogether <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> also one of it's I'm, crazy
1: yeah like something that I find super interesting is that the more you like try to study imposter syndrome I've thing that is just a manifestation of a lot of symptoms and causes of different mental disorders. For example, depression, anxiety, like mm-hmm. let's say
0: lack of confidence, mm-hmm.
1: uh, low self esteem.
0: Vishaka, I think that's yeah. that was something important to recognize and note is having read through some of the research, imposter syndrome. It's easier to kind of note and recognize the consequences of it, mm-hmm. such as like anxiety stress lack of confidence rather than the imposter syndrome itself
1: right and I think be it professional intervention or just behavioral techniques it is important to raise this fact that you need to be able to manage it and cope in it a better way rather than just to find the cause of why it happens Mm -hmm. what what do you think about that
0: yeah, I think I'm in agreement with that. Okay. Cool. And I one thing I want to continuing on, I came across some of the work from Valerie Young, All right. who published a book, and in this book she talked about and identified that there are kind of three, like, or there are five subgroups that kind of people can fall into of kind of being a part of like the imposter syndrome. So she talked about that there are there are the perfectionists who I think probably goes to say they always like might want to micromanage things, um, feel like things are a hundred percent perfect a hundred percent of the time. There are the super women or superman, mm-hmm. So the people who um, they might stay late at like work extra hard. So they might like stay work late at the office. Um, they might kind of sacrifice some of their hobbies and interests for their work. Um, and they also might get stressed when they're not working, or they find downtime incredibly wasteful. Right. So there's so so far we've got perfectionist, the superwoman or superman. There's also the natural genius, genius, who these young suggested that these are people who used to excelling without a lot of effort, um, and they feel like they don't necessarily might need might not need a mentor they might avoid some challenges because it feels uncomfortable and they're kind of used to being like the smart one. And I think they want to, I get the sense that they want to kind of continue to encourage that and not have any missteps and show that they're not necessarily that smart one, you know?
1: True, like like they always want to be the fastest, like they want to get things in the Mm -hmm. fastest and easiest way and not necessarily something that shows that they put a lot of efforts to achieve it. Yeah. so like it'll way, yes. they define the intelligence of like how quick and effortlessly can you get something done
0: yep like um, the and then one ideas, of the i would say <laughs> and then one of the other the fourth group uh young explained as being someone who's the soloist mm-hmm. so they don't necessarily feel like they need anyone's help they feel like they can kind of do it all on their own they feel like it's they are almost competent enough. I know this is something I think I definitely have a little bit of the soloist Ooh. in my work ethic and mentality and um, the me... podcast
1: together. Yay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know. I think anyone who knows me knows that I don't like being coddled and I when I get coddled I see it as a sign that I'm like I'm not competent enough if you have to coddle me, you don't see me as being competent which we know is not true. People just want to help, but I will get super frustrated. <laughs> I'm nowhere, and I know, like I'm sure, some of my friends will hear this and be like, "Yep, that's Ella."
1: I know how to approach um, you now.
0: In the future, and then the fifth one that Young talked about was being the expert. So this is like, do you are you someone who shies away from job postings unless you meet every single educational requirement? Which this is gonna be a small tangent, but I know I think it's like when women look at job postings, they'll only apply if they think they meet the majority. Whereas when men look at that job posting, they'll apply if they feel like they meet like 60 or 70% of the requirements. Or even
1: less. Like they just yeah. apply without even thinking twice as exactly. Much as they
0: don't. Yeah. So, small tangent, basically. Mm -hmm. apply for the job if you see it even if you don't meet every single requirement just give it a shot Um, go for it yes (laughs) but back to the okay so the expert yeah there's someone who they don't might not feel comfortable in a setting unless they know every single piece of information which I think especially like within academia and especially maybe in the field of economics like you do kind of want to feel like you are an expert if you've want to say anything. I know I've been there in some of my classes I'm like I'm afraid to speak up and kind of share my ideas unless like I know every single aspect and kind of can cover my ground on whatever question I might get that would go against my idea or thought.
1: True, like you need to be in a position where you can answer every question that is being thrown at you and cover yeah. as much ground as you can and Hopefully not be dumb silent when somebody is asking you a question.
0: Yes. <laughs> no, I've definitely, I don't know if anyone else has felt that fear, but I definitely I have know. like had sat in class sometimes and I'm like, I have something interesting to say, but if I'm wrong.
1: It would be embarrassing. I don't think I'm wrong.
0: I don't want to do that. <laughs> How could I? I'm not going to do that. But that's, yeah. So I guess that's like an example. Let's kind of a small element of like being the thinking you're the expert with imposter syndrome. Right. Cuz I like I don't want to speak up in class and say something if I'm wrong cuz then maybe people might think I'm a fraud and I'm thinking it and I'm really not as smart as I should be and I can't be in this class.
1: Exactly. Like how did she even get admission to this university?
0: That's another common
1: That was me have. in like first year of my masters, honestly. Oh. Yes. Everybody but you, around But you me just happy. finished up
0: your masters oh, and your thesis and everything. <laughs> you're doing fine I used
1: to think that everybody was way smarter than me
0: oh god Yup. no I think imposter syndrome is a lot more widespread than we recognize and I think Mm -hmm. a lot of those thoughts that kind of come from that feeling that you're a fraud I think a lot of women and also men experience it
1: true like it is like the current narrative is always focused much more on women and like highly skilled women, but I feel it is present amongst like all the genders, all age groups, every kind of like different fields, different areas of expertise. And as I said before, it does not discriminate. (laughs)
0: no (laughs) imposter imposter syndrome is around and it's something i think majority of us live with true
1: disclaimer the views expressed in WE podcast are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the organization, its partners, other members, or any other affiliated people and organizations. As ever-learning, critical-thinking people, these opinions are subject to revision and adjustment at any time. WE welcomes constructive feedback in these comment sections below and reserves the right to delete any comment deemed inappropriate, rude, irrelevant, or abusive. All posts are for information purpose only, and while they are accurate and authentic to the best of our knowledge, we accept accepts no liability for any error or missing information.